Step one is bringing awareness to what is within your reach. It's so quick for us to immediately go down that tunnel of what we can't do, right? We can't go on a flight. We can't go on this lavish vacation. We can't go visit family, but what can we do? What is, what is close to home? What, what is within my control and in my grasp right now? So I think that step one is bringing awareness to what you do have. You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast, episode number 396 with guests Mark and Angel Chernoff. Welcome to Make Some Noise podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of podcast. I am so glad that you are here with me today and I have something free for you. It's a gift. I have actually a few things, but I'll name two of them. One is coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't know the exact date, but it is a new private secret, if you will, podcast series. And it is for anyone who, you could be anywhere on the spectrum. Maybe you are somebody who is like self-sabotaging all of the time and you just can't stay consistent. Maybe you are feeling kind of down and you need some support. Maybe you're feeling like a superstar this year. Things have been going really well for you. There's three audios in this podcast series and uh, it's just me. There are solo episodes. I want you to consider this your your anthem, if you will, your fight song, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. So it's, it's coming up very soon, so keep your ears peeled, and if you are on my email list, then you will be the first to hear about it over there. I am so excited. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> it's been a long time in the making. Super pumped for you to have it. The other thing is, you may have heard me talk about it the last couple of episodes. I would love your stories to be heard here on the show community. We want to hear you. So andreaowen.com slash talk. You can read the guidelines there. You can leave your message for us right there from that page from your phone or your computer or whatever. I want to know how you have made noise in your life. It is in celebration of my book coming out in August. And yeah, head over there. You can read kind of some ideas to get your juices flowing as you think about some experiences you've had in your life. Again, andreaowen.com slash talk. And I think just on a personal note that I'll share with you all today before we jump into this conversation with Mark and Angel. So I posted on Facebook last week, my personal page, and it's not a public post because I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't want my mom to see it and get all worried. (laughs) Call me. Uh, But I have been so tired lately, and I don't know what's up. I'm like, is this just middle age? Is this pandemic stuff? Is there something going on with my hormones? I turned 46 a few months ago, and so I think that's part of it, you know, middle age. But I mean, there are mornings when it is 10 o'clock in the morning. I have worked out, not to excess. I I don't abuse my body with exercise like I used to, and I've gotten enough sleep. I eat pretty decent. 
don't have a ton of stress going on. And it was 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe a couple of weeks ago. All I could think about was taking a nap. It was exhausted. And I'm like, something isn't right. So I posted a little bit of background on my personal Facebook page and asked, hey, women out there, if you're around my age, maybe if you do what I do for a living, why am I so, am I so tired? And I've, I've kind of like lost my my motivation, like my like my drive. And it's super weird. I'm not depressed. I love what I do. It's just odd. You know how we know ourselves and our bodies and we know when something's up, something's up. So I, yes, I've been to the doctor and my blood test came back low vitamin D, which I'm now taking a supplement. And also my thyroid was on the high side. So in this conversation on Facebook, there were so many responses. All this to say, this is common. <laughs> this is common for middle age. I think what I'm dealing with, there is for sure something going on, but I am looking into having someone come on the show to talk more about it because I know that there's a lot of you who are around my age and it's just an interesting conversation that I think that we should all think about for our physical and mental health and emotional health as well. I did talk to a friend of mine who is a nurse practitioner who specializes in in women. And she said that my thyroid level, when I told her, she said, that's high. That's hypothyroidism and you should be treated for it. So we'll see what's going on. She also said I should cut out gluten. Uh, okay. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> Send all your favorite gluten-free recipes. We've been gluten-free before for my son but I still ate gluten. We will see. I will keep you posted. Stay tuned, listeners. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. I'm really excited to have Mark and Angel on. It's been, it's been a long time coming. I've known them for a long, long time. Mark and Angel Chernoff are professional coaches, full-time students of life, and admirers of the human spirit, and have been recognized by Forbes as having one of the most popular personal development blogs. Through their blog, podcast, books, live events, courses, and coaching, they've spent the past decade writing about and teaching proven strategies for finding lasting happiness, success, love, and peace. So without further ado, here are Mark and Angel. <laughs> Angel and Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much yes, for having us. We're happy to be here. Thank you. I was so excited. We weren't recording yet, but when I, I thought it was just going to be one of you and I'm so excited to have team Mark and Angel <laughs> on the show. Going up as a pair. <laughs> Coming up as a pair. And you have a new book that is out, which we're going to talk about, but I also have your other two books. And before before we jump in, I want to say something about A Thousand Little Things, which was that your first book or your second? It was published through Penguin Second, but was actually our original uh, self-published book. So it, it, okay. yeah, to, to, the, to the masses, it came out second, but it was actually our first book, which is interesting. The first book. I love this book because I'm a big fan of any book that you can have in the bathroom. I hope this isn't inside <laughs> because people spend time in there and nowadays they're scrolling through their phones, but I love it when there's books in people's bathrooms and you know, you're going to be in there for a few minutes and you can pick up this book and just open it up to any section and read a little nugget and, and you're good to go. My, my actual question is, how did you guys put this list of a thousand plus little things together? Did you just jot them down on index cards? Like how long did it take you? 
It's so interesting. Hey, to we me. started a whole blog around it. <laughs> uh, That's right. We, okay. Crazy. I'll give you the long story short on a thousand little things. Um, it was so the book actually came together on the blog. Most of most of the content came together on the blog, and then you know it was added to and refined once it became a book. Um, but it was appeared in our lives just over a decade ago now. Um, where we were going through a very dark period. Um, and this is about the 2008 mm-hmm. timeframe. Um, and we were trying to hold, we had seen some therapists. I mean, I'll give the long story short is that Angel lost her older brother to suicide. We lost a mutual mm-hmm. best friend about two weeks later. And this was the downturn of the economy in 08. Um, so we were out of work and we were just struggling emotionally with grief, financially with just figuring our lives out and reinventing ourselves. And so we were going through a tough time and we started our blog as a public accountability journal to some of the things we knew we had to hold ourselves accountable to, to step through this. As a married couple, we were newlyweds at the time, been together a few years, um, and we were just not having the conversations we needed to have. We weren't addressing the issues we needed to address. And so the blog became this public accountability journal. And a lot of what's in a thousand little things are actually the lists and ideas that we were putting together at that time and that kind of took you from there to a few years after there um, that were just, hey, like I, we know these are the ideas we need to reference and remind ourselves and reflect on on a daily basis in order to move forward. And so that's sort of the foundation, the baseline of a thousand little things. Okay. That's so interesting. And I, I'm always just curious, especially when someone compiles such a large list, because I, I have a feeling that it didn't just, you just sat down at a coffee shop one day and they all came pouring out like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, 2008 was rough for a lot of people. And were you to a couple of questions, I'll, I'll make it a two-parter. Were you interested in personal development before you started doing this? And the second part of my question is when you started Mark and Angel Hack Life, did you foresee that it would become like, was that the goal or were you just kind of in a bad place and needed some outlet to write about your feelings and your goals? Yeah, no, we were definitely accidental entrepreneurs. And, you know, okay. during that time frame, we were in our late 20s. Life was good, right? We didn't have any need for personal development. We we were doing our thing, never really had any, you know, major loss or dealt with grief. And so our, our route into personal development was a personal necessity for us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And had no... Um, no interest in it prior to that. And then kind of found ourselves really stuck for a while and, and leveraged personal development as a path forward for ourselves. And the accidental entrepreneurship that Angel talks about. Yeah. I mean, when we started writing on the blog, we, we had no intentions other than publicly holding ourselves accountable in front of a few friends and family. And of course, you know, this is, you know, call it good luck, call it, you know, whatever. I mean, this is the time where social media is really starting to take off, you know, in a big way. And it, I think Twitter had just been invented and people were just getting on oh, Facebook. Yeah. And even Facebook had been like in college campuses for a while, but had like, you know, had only mm-hmm. been public for a few years at that point, like open to the masses. A lot of us were still on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, like dinosaurs <laughs> were roaming the planet for goodness sake. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we started it with no intention for it to be anything more than for us. And it was like over the months and then years that followed, we would have people like, you know, first reading by the dozen, then it was by the hundreds. Then we'd start getting thousands of hits a day to the page or, or to the blog and, um, and getting comments and emails like, hey, you know, this thing that you resonated is mm-hmm. so personal and really resonates with me. Let me tell you my story. What do you think of this? And that was how we slowly started transitioning into this work. But it, it was a very slow process. 
That's fascinating. And it just sounds like the universe had other plans <laughs> for you too. <laughs> well, it, and I know that much of your work and your books and the content on your website focuses on what you say, getting back to happy. And so before we talk about some of the steps to get there, how does one, this might seem like a, a bit of a ridiculous question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How does someone know that they are unhappy? In other words, like, are there signs or, you know, we all love a good checklist that maybe they're not in alignment with their values or, you know, seeing what doesn't make them happy? Yeah. I think a lot of it is a feeling, you know, I mean, just knowing that, you know, Hey, life, like there, there's nothing major going on in my life right now, but I don't feel like I'm heading in the wrong, wrong or the right direction. Like, I feel like I'm heading in the wrong direction. I feel like something's off center. I feel pressure. I feel tension. I feel stressed. Um, and it's important to tune into that. And a lot of, you know, in the book, getting back to happy and in our coaching and everything that we do, our live events, I mean, a lot of the, the goal is helping people think better to help people tune in and not tune out. Um, we're, we're big believers in the fact that we need to be moving towards something in life. We don't need to be running away. And so if we're leveraging distractions as simple as Netflix or as complicated as drinking alcohol and, and, and getting involved in the wrong things, but if we're using distractions in our lives to numb our pain, instead of stepping into the pain and figuring out why do I feel the way that I feel, why am I thinking the things that I'm thinking and how might I be able to think a little bit better and live a little bit better, um, that's the journey, right? And so a big piece of it is tuning in, really paying attention and being more present with yourself. One of the things that I love about your books, especially 1,000 Little Things and now 1,000 Habits, is that you take some pretty big topics and simplify them into practical, implementable, doable things for people to do. So can you speak more about that and how that became part of your teachings. Yeah, I think, you know, our attention span nowadays is so short. Um, and, you know, the, the, these two books that you mentioned, A Thousand Little Things and A Thousand Little Habits of Happy, Successful Relationships, like you mentioned, they, they're not meant to read cover to cover. The, the idea is that to start your day or, or like you said, when you're in the bathroom <laughs> or, or even when you're feeling yourself having a moment and needing to feel centered, that you can actually flip to any page in the book and take five minutes and just read what's there. And then then apply it to your life and resonate with it. So yeah, we've kind of made these two to these two books to be quick hit inspiration to give you what you need in this moment with the amount of time that you have. Right. The whole goal was again going back to like how a thousand little things came to be is it really was the small daily affirmations and reflections and ideas and understandings that we needed to keep in mind and we needed to remind ourselves of regularly. So the goal was, hey, can we take some more complex thoughts and ideas and tools and drill them down to something that can be easily digestible. And so that was a thousand little things. And then a thousand little habits of happy, successful relationships, our newest is, is that idea just focused on relationships. Um, like you said, as we show up with, uh, as a pair today, I mean, Angel and I are often showing up to a lot of what we do together. And that's just a question that people usually have, like, how do you do everything together? Like, you know, do you guys ever struggle? And so a lot of those answers are explored in, in this book. And it's like, here are some of the, the ways that we live, the rituals that we live by, um, you know, one small chunk at a time that allows us to show up for each other and the people in our lives that are important and people that we don't even know, mm. right? Being our best selves. Right. Well, that's a great segue because I, I wanted to ask you about that. What made you decide to write a book about relationships? <laughs> 
How many times would you say we get questions about our relationship? Oh, it's yeah. so interesting. Well, oh, it really is that way. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's that, that was kind of the seed for it. But then, I mean, the reason for it is probably a lot larger than that, which is, you know, we care about people. I mean, a lot of what we do, um, the coaching, the events, you know, a lot, I mean, you know this, right? I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it takes a lot to sit down with somebody and be empathetic and, and, and take on and internalize their, their issues and their, and their stories. Um, and, and, and we deal with relationships all day, every day. We don't even realize it, right? Relationships with yeah. others, relationships with people close to us, relationships with people we don't even know, right? At the grocery store in a, in a, in a car that's cutting us off and even the relationship with ourselves. Um, and so it's extremely important to nurture those relationships and, and to deal with the tough parts of them too. I guess people would ask you a lot about your relationship when you work together and you've run this business together for so long and you show up to interviews together (laughs) and you are nice to each other. Yeah. I guess people would start to ask you about this. Did you, and I'm I'm curious just about the process. Does one person write more than the other? Like how how does that work? It's pretty shared. Yeah. We, we typically, I mean, writing the books are all always interesting. Um, I think it gets most interesting when actually doing the audio and tossing the ball back and forth real time (laughs) to each other when you're doing like an audio book. But yeah, Angel and I write uh-huh. a book very much the same way or even write on the blog. You know, it's, it's, we usually alternate ideas or, or posts. So one person will be the lead writer and then one will edit that writing and like add to. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it definitely a kind of a community process between the two of us. Um, sometimes certainly there's pieces that, that, you know, are written entirely by one or the other, but, um, yeah. but we do it a lot together. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, like it's, it's always nice to have a proofreader, right? Or an editor. And so we sort of serve mm-hmm, exactly. that for each other. And half for years. Read your work. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, I'm I have a feeling, you know, when I do these interviews, I think about what is the audience curious about? Like what might they be curious about? And con- considering that you're a couple and that you are both not only interested in personal development for your own work, but that you teach it. I get the question on a fairly regular basis where the women in my audience ask, what do I do? to get my partner, whether they're with a man, woman, or non-binary, to be interested in personal development as much as I did. So what is, I'm curious what your advice is for that. I think with that, you just got to lead by example, right? Like you being, you listening to the podcast and reading the books and and talking about those topics is going, it's, it brings it to the table, right? So forwarding your partner, Hey, leaving the book on the coffee table, forwarding them this podcast. Hey, I just listened to this episode. It was really good. So I think dropping those subtle hints while leading by example. I completely agree. Yeah. I think, I mean, sometimes forwarding things or texting things like they can misinterpret it, but, but having them see you like in conjunction with that, like slowly peppered in having them see you actually listen to the podcast. Right. Oh, there's like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. Look what, look, I mean, it's, it's on like I, I've walked into the room and she has it on or he has it on in the, in the background there um, reading books, having them sit around and, and having it be something that not only you do, but they sort of know that you're doing it. That goes a long way in enticing somebody to be interested in the things that you're interested in. And then, of course, if you can put those things into practice and they notice a difference mm-hmm. in your behavior and how you're showing up in the relationship, I mean, that's 
that is incredibly rewarding on many fronts and it often will entice a loved one to at least go, Oh, well, maybe let me, let me thumb through that book when I have an opportunity. Well, And also Mm -hmm. thinking about how do they consume content, right? Do they like Instagram better? Like me sending a spouse, a podcast when they never listen to podcasts, well, you're going to have resistance immediately. But if they're always on Instagram say, Oh, you know, check out this page. I love these quotes. Check out this meme that I saw. <laughs> I was I was just interviewing someone else about like deep topics around trauma and toxic relationships. And she was saying, she's a therapist and she said, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised how much great information and education there are via memes mm-hmm. on Instagram. I was like, okay, good. <laughs> I like to hear that. <laughs> but I agree with you. It's, it's, it's not something that can be prescribed or shoved down someone's throat. Um, it, it just, it, it is one of those things that I love that. I think Mark, it was you that say, just, just pepper it in sometimes. And I always tell people if that, if your partner is making fun of you for it, then you need to have a hard conversation and, and just, you know, that's, that's a no, but just, they don't have to, they don't have to be completely on board, but just that they support you in your own journey and, Hopefully they'll come around. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, just like you mentioned, if someone's not ready to hear it, they're going to resist it, right? They're always going to, oh, that's not for me. I don't need that. Um, But if you continue to show up and and then even more so if they see a change in you, right? Right. If they see progress Mm -hmm. and they see, oh, okay, you know, what's Andrea over there doing? You know, I I noticed she seems a little bit more happier, a little bit more focused, you know, what does she have going on? Yeah. I think, I mean, I think you can absorb it too that way. I mean, you got to remember that, I mean, we learn by watching and experiencing and living Living with other human beings. So it's, you know, if, if you can change your behavior and you can show up as a better version of you, you in, will inherently be teaching that person you love something, right? And like, even if they don't pick up the book or listen to the podcast or even read the meme, you'll be adding value to their life and, and, and helping change their life. Um, so it's, you know, again, you can't always have expectations about what that looks like, but if you can impact their life in a positive way through through personal development of things that you're interested in, there's at least a chance that they will like reciprocate on some level at, at the very least noticing what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that you said don't have high expectations of what that person is going to do or not do. And yeah, that's important, important addition to that. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from one of our sponsors. You've heard many of the guests here on the podcast who are licensed therapists, and you know I encourage everyone to go to therapy. I'm proud to have BetterHelp as one of our sponsors because there's so many things I love about their service. When you sign up for BetterHelp, they'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. Their license Licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, self-esteem, and their service is available for clients worldwide. I want you to start living a happier and more fulfilling life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at BetterHelp.com dot com slash kickass. Join over one million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp h e l p dot com slash kickass. And thank you so much for supporting our sponsors because that in turn supports this show. 
Angel, you wrote an article and I apologize. I can't remember when it was. And I know you've written probably thousands of articles at this point. So you might not remember this particular one, but the article was titled 10 things to remember when everything feels out of reach. And and the reason it jumped out at me is because this last year, 2020 and into 2021 has taught us that a lot of things feel out of reach. I mean, family, friends, pursuing certain goals got canceled, et cetera. So what advice do you have for both of you for someone who feels hopeless or helpless due to life's circumstances, whether it's because of COVID or because of something else? Yeah, I think the step one is bringing awareness to what is within your reach. It's so quick for us to immediately go down that tunnel of what we can't do, right? We can't go on a flight. We can't go on this lavish vacation. We can't go visit family. But what can we do? What is, what is close to home? What What is within my control and in my grasp right now? So I think that step one is bringing awareness to what you do have. Yeah, controlling the things you can control. I, I agree entirely. I mean, a lot of the articles we've written through the pandemic and about the pandemic have been focused on that, right? That like, you know, in a world of things that we can't control right now, and, and it's not ideal by any stretch, there are still a lot of things that we do have control over. And we need to focus on those mm-hmm. things and leverage those things in our favor and in the, in the favor of the people we love. So I, I completely agree, like, you know, tuning in and realizing, hey, we feel like everything's out of reach, but that's not true. Not everything's out of reach. Some things right. are out of reach. And, and it's not what, you know, not what the world takes away, but what you do with what you have that actually counts. And so we have an opportunity here to, to do a lot, um, but we need to be more focused and, and a little bit uh, inventive in this time. Yes. And, and you know what I came to realize too, is that there are hardships no matter what, where we're, what time we're living in. So like pandemic or not, things are difficult. It just kind of got exacerbated. So for what helped me is I did very similar to what you were saying. And there were moments where I started to panic, especially like around the beginning in March and April. And I just told myself to, you know, get present, put both feet on the ground. It was very basic. Like, and it goes back to my old days of when I used to struggle a lot with anxiety and panic, panic disorder and, and just, okay, just get right to this moment. Cause it's all I have, you know, when you're having those spinning thoughts. And I found that to be helpful because it was the only thing I could control in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, in the beginning for me, some of my worst days was just feeling like it was Groundhog Day over and over again. And I had nothing to show for it. I was like, what kind of memories am I creating right now? And, and that was the worst feeling for me at the end of the day. And so I had to make it a point to say, hey, I need to accomplish something every day, like not something big, but just something small, whether it's reading a book with my son or cooking a nice dinner, but something that makes me feel good because I was getting at the end of every day being like, what am I doing? What do I have to show? Where am I going? And yeah. that was what was most frustrating for me. Yeah. And we started tracking here, like just as a family. So we like ended up tracking the little bits of progress, right? And that's kind of like a hidden secret of happiness, right? Is noticing progress in your life. That makes us feel good. So knowing that we just said, okay, you know, we're not able to do all the grandiose things and that we're used to doing or the busy. We're not, we're not caught up in the busyness that we're used to, right? The, the, all the systems that we're used to living by are suddenly different, but we can be very focused about tracking the little bits of progress we are making in our lives and then mm-hmm. reflecting on them. And just the simple practice of doing that as a family really like got us out of the funk and, and allowed us to be more productive, to be more, you know, aware of like the, the silver linings, if you want to call it that, or just the good things, which of course inspires you to do more of them. So, I mean, 
it, it was a very good practice for us at the beginning that we, we've carried forward since then. I love that. I did a very rudimentary version of that where I, and this is something I did when I was first separated and feeling so depressed and lonely is I took, you know, you have like a wall calendar. Some families have wall calendars and I took a Sharpie and would just cross the days out on the calendar. And I started doing it again when COVID hit because I wanted to see time passing because it's very obvious and logical that, you know, this too shall pass and all those really great inspirational sentiments that we hear, but I needed to see, like, I'm like, prove it to me. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see time passing and the days could feel so long and, you know, your weekend plans are canceled, vacations are canceled. And I honestly found it so helpful to glance over at that calendar and see several black marks through showing the, the passage of time. And then you can flip through other months as the months went on to see how much time was actually passing. That's so funny that you brought this up because we have like one of those big desk calendars that I have hanging on the wall in our laundry room. And you know, usually when the month goes by, you rip off the month and you crumble it up and throw it away. And I actually, it's funny that you bring this up. I don't even think I've ever even told anyone this or Mark um, because it's not groundbreaking or anything, but I've for whatever reason during COVID and even still to this day, starting March of 2020, I never threw them away. I just kept them because I'm like, I want to keep track of like this time, like this, Mm -hmm. this time is going by and it wasn't a good thing or a bad thing, but for whatever reason, I had this resistance to throwing it away and I would write stuff on it, like what we did. And yeah. And I kept those calendars. I don't have, I knew you had them stacked up for a while. I I still have them stacked and I've never thrown them away. And it's along the lines of what you're mentioning. Um, yeah. And I know I, it's comforting. Yeah, I can't pinpoint why I'm doing it or what I hope to get from it, but I still have them. Yeah. For me, it was a tiny sliver of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's the tiniest of slivers. Like that, That's what's the good reminder that we have to have. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter how we logically know something is going to eventually pass, but like on, on any given day, the feeling will be something different. We feel overwhelmed. We feel out of control. We and, and so like knowing what, no, like being able to tune into that and then having a small tool like you guys are talking about to, to cope, to make mm-hmm. us feel better and, and get through it is important. I want to talk about your, your new book for a second. And I, I like to say that the best time to work on your relationship is before you're in one. And <laughs> we, we surveyed this audience and it's about 50-50 they're in relationships or single people. And so tell us, because I, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to hear it in, in your words. Tell us why this book is also great for people who are single. Oh, it starts with self. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the yeah. first chapter is all about self. And even, you know, it's broken up, not into just intimate relationships, right? Again, it goes back to we, we have relationships all around us. We have everyday relationships. We have family relationships. There's so much more to relationships than just an intimate relationship that we, we, we overlook. Yeah. Our relationships with, you know, the other people in our lives. And certainly, like we said, our relationships with ourselves, um, it, it, it is so meaningful. Like if, if we're going to show up into an intimate relationship with somebody, um, we need to be feeling centered and we need to be feeling whole. They're not completing us, right? It's, it's two holes showing up and sharing a space together. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, the entire, the book actually starts with self, which is interesting. And certainly relationships also start with self. I mean, we, we have to be in a good place. We have to take care of ourselves for those that we hope to meet and those we love, of course. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a good reason, I think. 
It is a great reason. And I, I mean, I love a good table of contents. I don't know about anybody else, but and unless someone has told me like, Andrea, you absolutely have to have this book. Don't, don't wait, go and buy it. I'll buy it. But usually what what differentiates me either buying or not buying a book is the table of contents. And as I flipped through the table of contents in this book, I was, I was thinking to myself, okay, you two covered everything. Like you didn't leave anything out and it's, it's so fantastic. And I, let me just read like the main parts. I, I would, it would take me three days to read all of your table mm-hmm. of contents, because again, you cover everything, cover everything. But part one is self-love and self-worth. Part two is couples and marriage. Part three is children and family. Part four, friendships and everyday relationships. Part five, conflict and drama. Part six, boundaries and expectations. Seven is love and pain. I mean, you guys nailed it. It's everything. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I tell you what, it, there's a lot that goes into our relationships, right? I mean, it's, and I think even reading that table of contents, it's not all uh, rainbows and butterflies. That's right. right. doesn't matter what kind of relationship we're talking about, including the relationship, relationship with ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to explore. Um, but, you know, the reason, again, that a book like this, I think, is, is so helpful is that there's a lot of things that we logically know. There's a lot of things that we've heard before. But one of the reasons affirmations or prayers or quotes or reminders or whatever you want to call it, the reason those things are so powerful is the more that information is in our present awareness, the better it serves us. And so that's what mm-hmm. our hope for a book like this is, is that, you know, we, Angel and I know that we've used, we used a thousand little things as an example, as a tool for ourselves. And so for people in their relationships, um, you gotta, you gotta reflect from time to time, you know, it's a full-time job. It's a lot of work. So, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of tuning into a piece of this book that you're, you're currently focused on or struggling on, or maybe just even curious about and allowing yourself to dive in for a a, a page at a time, um, for a little healthy self-reflection. Yes. Healthy self-reflection. I love, I love how it just like, like rolls off your tongue like that, like healthy self-reflection. But I also love that you said it's not always rainbows and unicorns. It's, it's, um, humbling. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna use that word humbling. I want to ask you, Mark, because you wrote a really excellent article, three ways to break through when you're burning out and ready for a change. What are some strategies? And I'm sure you have a lot of them. So if you if you don't directly quote this article that <laughs> you might not remember exactly what you said, that's fine. But I'm I'm more curious, what are some strategies one can employ when they are feeling burnt out or or and or they know that they need a change? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I think that the basics, right, is like the rituals or habits that we have in our lives. Um, A lot of times we're trying to, we're setting a goal for ourselves and we're trying to build habits and rituals that reinforce this thing that we're reaching for. But the flip side of that, of course, is that we have habits and rituals in our lives that are kind of our default setting, the things that we are doing all the time that we don't even necessarily notice or consciously choose to do. And so a lot of times when we're feeling stuck and feeling like we're not making progress in our lives, what I try to do is get somebody, and I do this in my own life also, like I will say, hey, what's something broken? Like what, like, what is this feeling? Like, let me be specific with myself. Like, what is it that I want to change, right? Like, what is this broken feeling that I have or this situation that needs some adjusting? And I try to be very specific and identify it. And then I ask myself, okay, now that I've identified this thing that needs a little tweaking, what am I doing every day, consciously or subconsciously, that's actually fueling this broken situation in my life. 
right? Like what in, in what way am I on a daily basis or a very regular basis reinforcing this thing that I say is broken? And I try to get very conscious about that and like say, hey, not only is there a situation that's not right, but there's actually little things that I'm doing that are perpetuating that situation. Mm-hmm. And then I try to turn it to the positive, right? Then it goes to the goal. It's like, okay, so in like, what do I need to change? Like, what does an ideal situation look like? And what can I start doing on a daily basis that kind of takes me from point A to point B? Again, I'm not leaping from one area to the other, but I want to see some progress again. And I want to have something that I can track that shows that I'm making a little bit of progress going from this broken situation to this more ideal situation. And even if I don't get to the ideal situation, at least I'll see the progress of a shift happening. And so that's, I mean, that's a big part of how, like it's a, the basics of a system of getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it completely doable. And I love that it's it's sort of baby steps, if you will, to get there. It doesn't have to be this overwhelming, gigantic, grandiose action steps that you're taking. No, no. no. And it, we always think that it does, right? What are, what are mm-hmm. the positive steps that we're putting in place to reach this goal? But it's important to take stock and what rituals we already have going on. And like Mark said, what are the pieces of us that feel broken or feel that we need to fix? And what are the rituals that are supporting that? right? Because we already have rituals in place. It's just, are they serving us? Do they need to be removed? Do they need to be adjusted? Is it time to edit them? Um, It's really taking a look at what we do on the daily that's on autopilot. And when we're doing certain activities, what are the thoughts that are going through our Mm. head in those moments? And everything is little steps, like you said, right? I mean, everything's little steps. Mm -hmm. Like we, like nothing, even a business doesn't fail in a day, right? Like, like, we, like there's not one big catastrophic moment. Like a business fails because you fail to check the books, because you fail to innovate, because you fail to listen to your customers. It was like all the little things that you did or didn't do, eventually your yeah. business fails, right? And I mean, our, our life is our business, right? And the same thing is true. Like things happen on a positive and on a negative one little step at a time. It's not one big massive event on either the positive or negative end. And rituals or habits are always part of that. Like, what are we doing on a daily basis that's either moving us closer to where we want to be or further away from where we want to be? Rituals and habits. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And I want to ask you one more question. And I feel like this might kind of sum up a lot of the work that you do. And you talk about, like I said, getting back to happy. And and you also talk about simplifying your life. So can you both maybe give us some strategies, like what listeners can start doing today in order to get back to happy and or simplify their life? I think, I mean, Angel, I mentioned it earlier, tuning in, right? I I, I think in life, again, we don't want to be running away from things. We want to be moving towards things. And so mm-hmm. tuning into yourself, I think if you could do one little thing, and I mean, this is something Angel and I practice all the time, it would be paying attention to the negative emotions and feelings that you have, right? Um, knowing when you feel like noticing, just noticing, bringing awareness to when you're feeling off center and maybe just taking a moment and writing that thought that's going on in your head in real time down. Like just letting that be the practice, like acknowledging, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling off center and filled with anxiety or whatever it is at this moment. What is the thought in my head at this moment, no matter how irrational or whatever, because oftentimes when we're emotional, it's not rational. Um, and just, exactly. just writing it down, just getting it out of your head in black and white in a sentence or two, not long form journaling, real time, quick journaling. And then when you're feeling calm and collected, doing that as often as you need, but then when you're feeling calm and collected a day later, two days later, whatever it is opening that journal of thoughts of, you know, those really tense moments. And that might sound counterintuitive, but putting some calm, collected awareness 
against those th- like those trains of thought that you probably have in patterns, right, in your life that are during the tense moments. So you're bringing calm, collected awareness to a lot of that intensity. Um, and certainly that's just the first step. You can certainly challenge them. You can question them. You can try to look at them from different angles, give yourself the opposite uh-huh. of that thought and try to find some truth in that. But it's a tool that Angel and I have leveraged throughout the years. And we do it with a lot of our coaching clients. It can be very beneficial, a way to almost self-coach yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah exactly. I was thinking the same yeah, thing. Yeah, and it's extremely important, right? So so often we think we should just, oh, bury the hard times or, you know, quickly mm-hmm. go, go to the good stuff. But we need to address those thoughts um, and bring them to the surface or they'll continue to show up again and again in the worst moments and mm-hmm. come out even even bigger and stronger than the last. And so I think, yeah, writing down those thoughts and tuning in on what is going on in your head and heart in those moments where you're feeling the most anxiety and the most pain and the, and the most uneasy. Um, so I definitely agree um, with Mark's idea. And then also, you know, just to add on to that is finding, you know, five, 10 minutes every day to fill your own bucket, you know, and that looks different for every person, but just slowing down and making space for whatever that is that fills you up. I think that's so important and being consistent about it too, because it's easy on the easy days, right? But on the hard days, is right. when things are going yeah, great. On the hard days is when it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be a lot easier when you've been consistently doing it on the easy days. So then when those hard days do inevitably come up, that you are, you are, this is a part of who you are and what you mm-hmm. do, and that will help you. You have a baseline of rituals that help support you. I mean, that's why, so the opposite of what we're talking about here with tracking like your negative thoughts and acknowledging them and then challenging them a little bit, the opposite of that would be gratitude journaling, right? Which is a pretty common personal development practice. And again, like to Angel's point though, gratitude journaling, like writing three things down that you're grateful for at the end of a a day. I mean, it's been scientifically proven to help a lot of positive psychological studies on that. Super simple. And a lot of times because it's so simple, people think, oh, well, that's just a cliche, right? And it's only simple and a cliche and easy on those good days that Angel's just mentioning, right? But the only way Mm -hmm. you're able to access any form of gratitude on a really tough day or a really dark season of your life is if you've been consistent with gratitude on the great days, right? On the average days. And so that's where it becomes really powerful. Gratitude is not powerful on an average day. Gratitude is incredibly powerful on the worst damn day of your life. That's where gratitude saves your life. And the only way to have any gratitude during those days is to be grateful every day. I have personal experience with gratitude changing my life during like the fetal position on the ground days. the desperate days. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for, for sharing those just tangible things to do. I, I just adore the both of you and your work is so incredibly important. 1000 little habits of happy, successful relationships. Everyone is out now and the links for all of Mark and Angel's books are going to be in the show notes as well as their website. Where do you want to send people to get to know you more and find, find more about what you have to offer? Yeah, whatever platform you like the most, you know, um, our main content is on the blog, marketangel.com, where we put out a new article every week. We also have an email newsletter that we send out to our email subscribers. And we're on Instagram, marketangel, Facebook, marketangel. Um, yeah, you can find us uh, pretty much on any All the social places. network uh, <laughs> area, Twitter included. So. <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark and Angel, for being here. And listeners, thank you so much for your time. You know how grateful I am for that. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everybody. Hi there. Swinging back by to say one more thing. You know how I'm always giving advice over here on the show and on social media, and a couple of those things is that I'm always telling you to ask for what you want, be clear about it, and also ask for help. So I am taking a dose of my own medicine, and I'm going to do that right now. It would be the absolute best and mean the world to me if you reviewed and subscribed to this show, Make Some Noise Podcast, on whatever podcast platform of your choice. And even more importantly, it would matter so much if you shared this show. Sharing the show is one of the few ways the podcast can grow, and that also gives more women an opportunity to make some noise in their lives. You can do that by taking a screenshot when you're listening on your phone and sharing it in your Instagram or Facebook stories. If you're on Instagram, you can tag me at HeyAndreaOwen, and I try my best to always re-share those and give you a quick thank you DM. And also, you can tell your friends and family about it. Tell them what you learned. Tell them a really awesome guest that you found on the show that you started following. Whatever it is, I appreciate so much you sharing about this show. 